So currently without evidence, any assessment grade a teacher has on record that was for an unseen question could be used to appeal an A-level or GCSE grade. This is getting silly. That was his post. And it was linked to some sort of BBC website about reviewing exam appeals guidance. I believe this guy really cares about his students. He's one of these kind of cool teachers that like really wants to do the best. And yeah. what's it been like for him negotiating these and yeah. seeing the impact that it's been on his students that I believe he cares about. No one really knows what they're doing. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We're literally just like wandering around in the dark, doing our best. You know, some countries are doing it one way, we're doing it another way. Mm. Some countries have been really stringent and kind of upset the populace. And maybe America is the most resourced, mm -hmm. is not doing that great. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. no one's really getting it right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're doing the best we can. Yeah. Hi there, everyone. This is uh, Adam here with the Here to Listen podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I've got Leon with me today. Yo, yo. And Jack. Hello. Uh, distantly, we've got Max. Sorry, couldn't make it, but uh, lots of editing type stuff to be getting on with as well. But I'm sure he'll be back with us. Um, I have on the line um, Mr. Brown. Hello, Mr. Brown. Hello, nice to be here. <laughs> um, you've asked us to, to use a different name for you during this podcast. I don't think either of us have got any major concerns about that, but we just thought um, with the subject that we're going to be talking about, it's a sort of just in case. Um, so obviously over the last uh, week, it's been very focused on education and yourself as a teacher of six years in English and film. Um, I feel like you're very much in the mix. We're, we're not so much. I mean, our, our programmes are very much to do with linking young, well, meeting with young people in schools and getting them on programmes. Um, whereas, you know, you're, I feel like you're in the maelstrom, if there was a word for it. Um, so I think what we're hoping to do with this podcast is to be able to sort of distill it down a little bit. And um, before the podcast, obviously, you mentioned about going back a bit because we're all in this sort of COVID era at the moment, but I'm particularly interested in the last two weeks. So let's start with how are you at the moment as a teacher? Today, um, exhausted after this morning. Um, <laughs> GCSE results are always a kind of a stressful day. We, you know, as a teacher, you're sort of sitting there in anticipation, just the same as the, the pupils are. That same kind of excitement and thrill of whether it's gone well or badly. Mm. Um, but with this, it's been much more the kind of draining experience of um, knowing what's likely to be coming through, knowing the situation, but still having to guide the students through a very sort of stressful time in terms of what they're facing. Mm. But there's there's a certain element of relief, at least as well now, because it's sort of better than it better than it was looking perhaps a week ago. Things are a bit calmer now, but even so, quite a quite a stressful time. Mm -hmm. And with the the last particularly the two the two weeks about decisions that were made from the exam results point of view and uh, how those changed as well and if you could maybe break it down a little bit to, to for the listeners that might not understand that process myself included actually so yeah could you give us an idea about that yeah certainly so um the the initial kind of plan which was coming through from Ofqual and the government uh was the idea that we'd be applying an algorithm to the results that teachers had submitted it's understandable in that every teacher probably is optimistic in terms of what their pupils can achieve we, we want to be positive we wanted to put the best spin on how we thought they were likely to do and so results were understandably going to be a bit higher if you just used the teacher's thoughts um, it, it was also a situation that if you were going to do a teacher assessment like has been kind of recommended in the past by some bodies um, you'd want to have lots of time to prepare that you want to have assessment throughout the year 
but instead we're in a situation where all of a sudden you know pupils were going to be disappearing within a couple of weeks and so we're making assessments based on the evidence we'd already seen mm. so it was difficult to make sure they're accurate but across the country teachers have done their best and um, off Guam, the government were going to step in moderate these using an algorithm system so sort of looking at the past results to influence where they thought scores were likely to fall um, and that was where we found ourselves. We were sort of at the mercy of what was happening in terms of the results that were going to be coming in. Um, pupils similarly didn't really necessarily know what they were likely to face. Uh, it was all very much determined by this um, sort of amorphous, slightly scary situation where you didn't know what the government was necessarily doing. Um, that changed very rapidly because much as we saw in Scotland, the results were not necessarily seen to be fair. There was a lot of controversy around what those results were likely to look like. Um, which resulted in a, a very chaotic day, I think it was last Saturday, uh, where all of a sudden we were told there'd be a triple lock. So um, it would be whether it was your mock grade, the exams that pupils might have done during the year. Um, it could be the algorithm-generated grade or sitting an exam in October or November. Um, we were told you'd get the highest of whichever ones these were for your results. And then finally, of course, over the last couple of days, all of that was reversed and it went back to those teacher gradings that we'd initially submitted to Ofqual. Um, so we'd seen that entire shift around back towards the um, the initial grades that we'd given. Hmm. So does that mean the sort of onus is on you to be able to, forgive the word, judge um, the uh, abilities of your students and to be able to put that in some sort of mark? Yeah, it, it, it felt a little bit more like um, it was going back to that sort of the, um, all of the weight being put onto the teachers to make that decision. Now, it's a bit of a, um, a misleading idea to say that it was just a teacher assessment because actually I suppose the more, more accurate term would be a centre assessment or a school assessment because even after teachers had given in grades, almost certainly their department, their school uh, would have looked at it in light of what previous results were like and you know comparisons between different classes and different teachers. There was already a lot of, kind of moderation and looking at these grades before they were even submitted in the first place. Um, so to an extent, some of the pressure was alleviated in that regard in that individual teachers didn't necessarily give the exact grades. But equally, that still leaves you in that situation where students are looking to you to be the one who almost sort of stated their future for them. And so there was certainly that um, slight awkwardness today of if a people didn't get the grade they wanted, there was only really one person for them to look to. Mm. But I think it's, um, it's important for anyone who's in that situation who's feeling like they haven't had the exact grade they wanted to remember that the teachers almost certainly agonised over this, looked at it over and over again, looked at everything they had. It, it is very unlikely that it was anything about that individual person. It would have been much more all of the data, all of the results and everything that came together for it. It's part of the process. Um, I, I think of it sort of in a, in a sort of team element. When I've worked for organisations before, let's say the people higher up, in certain jobs that I've had, there was a tremendous amount of trust given over to the people to be able to do their job. You know, they're competent, they're trained. Um, and to, to have that trust in... Um, your staff, have you felt that that's something that's happening with the government or the people perhaps above you or the, the off, what was it, off com? Ofqual, yeah. Off so Ofqual are the ones who are in charge of um, qualifications in the oh, United Kingdom. See. So they're the ones running the GCSEs, the BTECs and all the other courses that would have been relevant and A-levels, of course, last week as well. So did um, you ever get an idea about that with them essentially going, OK, we're gonna, we, we completely trust our teachers to be able to make their own judgments and, and we'll stand by them? Is there that sense? So I don't think really we felt that trust through a lot of this process. Um, 
I, I will say there was a certain extent to which, if, of course, it had to be a trust for teachers because we were the only ones who had that evidence we were able to provide. Um, and I think there was a lot of trust given in terms of us providing the key data from the beginning, which was the rank order of pupils. So we were asked in each subject to take every pupil in the school and put them into an order, uh, which in itself, of course, is quite a controversial idea and ended up with lots and lots of discussions. I think in one week I was in over 30 hours of meetings just talking this through, looking at evidence, looking at each individual pupil and trying to work out where they should sit within a, you know, a cohort of 200, 300 pupils, where they would be in that order. Um, so we were very much trusted with that element of it. But up until recently, it, it felt like that was where the trust ended. Um, the government certainly were then going to take that data and just apply the systems that they developed to then decide what the grades should be. Um, it's It's been a strange situation where sometimes it feels like it's completely out of teachers' hands, whereas now it feels like it's obviously 100% down to what the teachers have said in a lot of cases. I believe only about 2% of results would actually be modified by sort of positively um, the government's algorithm over what teachers have previously said. Mm. So, so with the the trust that the, the put in the teachers initially, are you saying that it was a combination then of the algorithm and the uh, submission of the potential results from the teachers, or are they separate? So <laughs> that's that's a good question, <laughs> because actually I don't think necessarily even school leaders and teachers necessarily have the, the full picture at this point. Um, what we do know is that if there were five or less pupils taking a course at a school, it was more or less completely trusted to the teachers in the school, because there's no way with five pupils you could apply any kind of statistical analysis and still get sensible results. Um, the next category then up to 15 um, students was a little different there because at that point there would be some consideration given to what the teacher grades were, some consideration given to an algorithm based on past results and the two would kind of be combined. Anything from 16 pupils upwards, um, the teacher weightings were given very little importance. In fact, it was all about where the algorithm suggested the school should be. It's been very strange to look at because for one of my classes, I looked at um, having just six pupils and six pupils, of course, dropped into the next threshold. So they didn't just take my gradings for that. They tried to apply, to sit, apply a system based on statistics. But the idea of applying a statistical model to six individual pupils felt a little bit strange. It felt disconnected. And certainly the results weren't what I would have given them as a teacher when mm. it came through. Mm. So you were witness to that. You you saw you know your idea of what the results should be, and then you saw the algorithm modification version of that. Absolutely, and I think what you'll see across the country, and you've probably seen some of these stories in the media, um, is you know on a broad level, it may well be that these results would have been fairly fair. It was calculated to reflect previous years. It would have been very similar kind of grades to what we've had previously, unlike the changes today, where suddenly grades are much higher. But the problem is that. That's only fair in a very, very broad sense. Mm. If you looked at individual cases, it wasn't fair at all. And in fact, a lot of the research has found the main victims of this are bright students from less wealthy backgrounds. Those pupils who perhaps are in a school or a course that previously hasn't got massively high results, but they've worked really hard. They've pushed themselves and they've succeeded. And all of a sudden that success is being stripped away because it doesn't match what the school or the course had previously. And so from my own personal experience, as I say, in a class of six, I had one pupil who was certain to get an A star. There was no question. They were incredibly hardworking and they'd done absolutely brilliantly. However, when the results came out, they got an A. Now, that's not a massive step down. That's not unfortunate for them. An A is great. But that student, for me, there was no way they were getting anything except an A star. They were comfortably within that zone. 
And it was a little bit disappointing to see that that kind of individual approach just wasn't being taken there. It was much more a statistical model rather than looking at each individual people. And you saw it from a sort of six-person point of view. How do you think that works in, say, a class of 30? It's very strange to see it because actually in a class of 30, probably within a year group of 200, um, at least for a lot of schools, it, it suddenly becomes a little bit more difficult to see. You know, pupils are going to be up or down. It, it's not necessarily going to be exactly what you'd expect. That being said, most grades were within roughly one grade of what teachers had expected. Forty um, percent of the results went down, um, so they did go down one grade. But those results which went down two grades was much smaller. I can't remember the figure off the top of my head, but I think it was about seven percent. It was so mostly teachers were getting roughly what they expected. But the problem is that doesn't necessarily mean everyone is. And the idea of taking this approach of just giving people grades without having set an exam is already rough. But then to take it further and see that some schools, some pupils, some individuals broken down by um, ethnicity, broken down by gender or um, background, social background made a huge difference because it's not fair then. It's not being equally applied. And we certainly saw a difference um, between, say, those in public school and those in private school, we saw a big difference in wealthy or poorer areas of the country. And at that point, it becomes very hard to justify from a political or moral standpoint, um, even without then going down to the individual pupils. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from a, a political, I don't necessarily want to make this a political podcast, but I've witnessed the government obviously being under fire about the decisions that they've made. And I've seen much of that come from the shadow secretaries of the equivalent. And um it's essentially their job to make the current government accountable for their decisions. Okay, that's fair, but I'm also aware that we're in, as as often said, this unprecedented time where people are trying to do what's right and they're trying to figure their way through this uh, without anything to base it on. We've never had anything like this before. And there are some that said it's completely unfair to criticise the government for this um, the, the situation because... They've got nothing to base it on. They're, they're working with the best information that they've got. The decisions are being made as best they possibly can in the situation. Um, and it's it's just not an easy job. There's just so many things to consider here. And I'm starting to wonder with, let's say, the two decisions, because you talked about the earlier decision that was made and then a different one that was made shortly after. So we've got two uh, solutions, let's say. Um, where do they fall in what you think is the right one? And if neither you feel are right, then what would you have done differently? Yeah, that's that's the key question here, isn't it? I I think you're absolutely right to say the situation is just uh, unconscionable. It's one which is so difficult for these um, politicians to face and for anyone in the situation to try and make a decision of how do we assess you know, there are, there are 4.6 million GCSE entries last year. Mm. How can you possibly look at trying to come up with a system that fairly judges that mm. without any exams at the end? Mm. So I think you're right to say that it, it's very hard to judge, to sort of um, say that something was done wrong. I, I think for me, the, the one part where it did go wrong, as you say, is when we got to this point where multiple decisions are being made, where we looked at Scotland, we saw the situation there where the results were coming back, they were unfair or perceived to be unfair in the way they treated, um, again, different backgrounds, different situations, and we saw that, and we saw Scotland, after a very tough week, reverse this decision and go with the teacher-assessed grades. Mm. And we saw this coming in England. We, we had that little bit of warning, and despite that, we were still 
told that these were robust and dependable results. Um, the government sort of doubled down on standing by this decision, but then a few days later reversed it. Now, that's, for me, where the issue lies here, because we've got pupils who wanted to go to university, um, who wanted to go to a particular university and didn't get their spot because their results were lower. But now, because their results have increased, they found they could go to that university, but that spot's no longer available. Mm. And they're being told they have to defer for a year. And that, that I feel, was a mistake. That is the bit where if um, the government, if Gavin Williamson as the Education Secretary, were to say there's one thing that went wrong, I feel that would be it. It would be the time that was taken to make the final decision, which has cost some young people their perhaps immediate hopes. It, it's not the end of the world to defer. And if, if there's one thing I would say to any young person who's found themselves in a situation where they can't go to the university of their choice this year, it doesn't matter if you defer for a year. You can find something to do this year, whether it's learning something new, doing something new, or just having some experiences. I certainly have gone through a few different universities along my way without necessarily having gone the most direct route. Um, but I think it is still something very painful for those people who have been affected. And a lot of their kind of hopes have been shattered in a very short space of time, and it might not be what they're expecting. And so that, I feel, is where it went a little bit wrong. But that being said, I don't think there was a correct solution straight away. I think if you had just gone straight to teacher grades, that would have been looked down on as well. So the government has tried. They have done the best they can. But as I say, it's just the delay was the one thing that I think perhaps deserves some criticism at this point. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the sort of difficulties I think around it is like there's there's no one really nailing this you know if you look around the world at the moment there, there's not anyone that's got yep 100% we're you know totally sorted everything's fine um, and when you talked about using Scotland as a reference we could always look at other countries as you know every country is probably looking at every other country kind of wondering like are they are they getting it or maybe we should kind of do what they do you know that kind of so much indecision so I you know like you say I don't envy the government in their position um, uh, and trying to navigate all of this. Um, I do want to come back a bit to um, when you talked about the students maybe not getting the results perhaps that they wanted. And I just want to bring the guys in a little bit here. But one of the things that I've experienced is um, this need to tell young people that put such a high stock in the education and of passing their results and get into the, the right place. I found myself saying, well, you know, I, I didn't set out to be at one point a youth worker you know there's this path that sometimes you find yourself in that is and ends up being the right path and to I don't want to say don't put a lot of stock in education that's not what I'm saying but it's like you like you're suggesting it's not the end of the world if you have to defer and it's also not the end of the world if you have to kind of find another way or another path um yeah no so Miss Brown thanks for all that information <laughs> I know, it's kind uh, of blown me away actually yeah, some of the stuff lot, you said in there there's a lot to take in and then it's very interesting so I appreciate that so um, me and Jack are working currently with a group of uh, year 11s, seem to be uh, year 12s at the minute, and we've been speaking to them all week um, about how they feel about their GCSEs and stuff. They've been quite stressed out, but at the same time, I think they're sort of feeling like it's sort of out of their control, so they're just going to sort of get what they can get. And uh, we spoke to three of them this morning, um, and two out of the three are happy with their results because they can get to the next step. So one has got into the sixth form they want to go in, and the other one has got into the college course. And one of them was particularly, she wasn't that unhappy because she did actually also get into a college course, but she was still unhappy with the grades. Uh, but so what we asked her was, that, was there anywhere where the school pointed you in the right direction for like the appeal process? Um, and was wondering if you could give us the best way to sort of appeal grades that you were un unhappy with. 
Yeah, the, the appeals process is an interesting one because in terms of an individual pupil's grade, um, it's very much being suggested the only reason that something like that should be appealed is if the incorrect data was submitted or if there was some error in how the results were uh, sort of ascertained in the end. Um, the, the problem here being, actually, most of the time, if a school has submitted a grade, that is the decision of the school, and it's not something that an appeal through Ofqual in terms of the appeals process they provided is going to help with. Um, I think for a lot of these pupils, it's perhaps the fact that actually you may well find this is not the grade you necessarily wanted, um, but it's going to be about thinking to yourself, actually, you know, has it stopped you from getting where you want to be? Is it going to cause you any problems? Because actually for a lot of pupils, there's been a bit more of an understanding from colleges, from universities, from whoever it is that they'd be going to next, that even if the grades aren't exactly what is required, there's often some forgiveness there and understanding that it's been a difficult time. Um, I, I think a lot of these appeals, it, it sounds like a good idea to go and appeal this grade, but actually in a lot of cases, there won't be any ground to do that from. Um, but the best route, without a doubt, is still to go through your school, to talk to your teachers, to talk to whoever it is who's taking responsibility for that in the school. And they will be able to put it forward, particularly if it looks like something's gone wrong. If it does look like it should have been higher, but you know the, the teacher submitted a higher grade, but it's come back incorrectly, then absolutely that can be fixed very easily. The one that's probably more difficult to fix is if the pupil and the teacher perhaps disagree about how the pupil has done or where they should be. That might be where you'd have more difficulty. It sounds like the, the, the appeal would be most likely if it was well off. Do you know what I mean? So like you're expecting an A and you got an E or whatever the lowest grade is. So the, the, the sense that something could have gone wrong from a technological point of view or like you say, an error at that point. Um, when you were talking to the young people, Leon, did you get the sense that they d desired appeal? Did, had, had they been faced with such a dramatically different result from what they were expecting? So if I'm honest, the, the one of the girls that was unhappy, well, she said initially she was unhappy with some of her results. She's still quite happy because she got into a college course. So in her eyes, I don't think it's sort of stopped her from sort of her next step. So which is obviously probably more in her mind. So she's probably thinking, I now can get to college and so now I can do this course and do well in this course. Mm -hmm. So I think she was actually quite content because we did ask her if she was going to like try and appeal it. And she was like, ah, maybe, I'm not sure yet. Uh, so... She, she was quite happy. But we did speak to a guy last week who finished his A-levels, um, a young lad from uh, Sandy. And he, so back in sort of his mocks, he got AAB. And he, to get into the university that he needed to get into, he needed to get AAA. And he said he would have rather have took his exams because he could have worked that B up from an, uh, well, from a B to an A to get into sort of uh, the university that he wanted to go, go to. So it was just maybe a question. So were you able to take into account some of the like the young people with the evidence you had? Like, would they have progressed to a certain level on certain uh, on certain grades? Oh yes, it definitely. Um, in fact, where the mock grades were certainly the basis for a lot of what teachers perhaps were looking at, because you know if you're trying to give an example of what someone's going to do an exam, a mock exam is probably the best example for it. But even within that, um, I know for certain there are a lot of people who will not always perform in a mock exam. They don't perhaps take it as seriously or they uh, just are someone who does really well under pressure. Um, not, not to sort of make a big gendered statement of this, but we classically see it a lot with boys in particular, where actually in the final exams, they can often be a step up in results because they've been more successful there. 
Um, but regardless of all of this, what we looked at wasn't just one set of results or one idea. We, we'd look at the individual in terms of how they've done over all the work we've seen through their books, through their answers in class, through everything they've been offering. And that's where we saw the progress. And where you might find, I, I don't know if you've had a chance to speak to the person who you did last week now, is that actually from their teacher assessed grade, that might well be higher than what they'd previously been given because the teacher might have said, oh, you know, he definitely would have got the three A's and hopefully had the understanding of where he was potentially reaching for. So previously they had the um, the algorithm generated results yeah. or their mock exam results, whereas now they should have been provided with their teacher assessed grades. Oh, okay. So for those who got them last week, they may well find they're in a better position now that the sort of teacher's views have been taken into account a bit more. It's funny when you say about the mocks, because uh, where me and Jack have been speaking to this uh, group of young people that I've been working with, there was only um, 11 of them, and they've all been saying, oh, it's based on the mocks, and we didn't even try in the mocks because you didn't really care about them. So a lot of them ha did also have that attitude as well. So that was definitely uh, something that's happened maybe out there. Yeah, I think we're going to see a shift this year where suddenly perhaps people will see the importance of the mock exams and kind of value them <laughs> a little more. <laughs> I think um, December is going to be a lot harder working than it usually would be for our schools. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the mocks were important, of course, but I've certainly had one or two pupils where I just had to ignore them completely because I know they just messed up a question. They misread it. They, you know, were feeling ill on the day, wherever it might have been. And it's been quite nice to be able to take that into account. Actually, as much as it feels very unjust in a lot of ways to give exam results without having sat an exam, in another way, it feels like those people who deserved it should have got it this time. It feels like yeah. as a teacher, you can reward those people who consistently showed they could do it. Even if they might have messed up an exam, there was kind of no option for that this time, which there's a certain bit of justice there in, in amongst some of the injustice that's going on, injustice that's going on elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I, know, I know you personally, of course, Mr. Brown, and um, one of the things in the conversations that we've had, I got the real sense of a teacher that cares. And um, I think, you know, that you come across teachers sometimes that might be a bit sort of world weary and maybe the passion has left them somewhat in terms of their teaching. And because I see you as someone that cares about their students, I'm wondering um, what's it been like for you as a teacher seeing your students go through this process? I mean, in a lot of ways, it's been heartbreaking at times. Um, I think last week for the A-level results was certainly the toughest part of all of it um, because we had to sit there knowing that pupils were getting grades lower than they deserved and without any chance to realistically appeal it or fight it or uh, do anything about it and particularly for those year 13 pupils who aren't realistically going to do a reset they're not going to go through it again it, it's been very tough to watch mm. i think it's that coupled with the fact that distance learning has made such a disconnect anyway between what teachers can offer and their pupils out there even doing our absolute best to make lessons as exciting as possible online. You know, I've certainly been making use of online videos and really trying to push out as much as I can in terms of something a bit more exciting. We still see a lot of pupils who've just sort of completely lost touch with the school over the last few months. And so to have all this pain and suffering at the end of a time when we haven't really been able to offer the usual support we would, mm. it, it's been tough as a, as a teaching professional. It, it's not the kind of role I would usually be taking at this point in the year where I'm able to be that person to talk to, that person to go to if there's a worry, instead of just felt very distant and a bit helpless with it. I think seeing the teacher assessed grades come in now, as I say, there's that sense of relief that some of those results that weren't fair, maybe now they're a bit more fair. Maybe those people who were feeling upset 
are doing better from it now. It's still absolutely heartbreaking to have to say to a pupil, you've not got a passing grade, and that's because we didn't think you'd get there. That's always going to be tough, but at least now it's those people that we feel that is justified, not those people where it felt wrong. Mm. Um, so it is very difficult to say to anyone at any time that you're not going to pass or you're not succeeding. But yeah, it's it's better than it was. Presumably this is kind of not why you got into teaching. Yeah, you probably have a kind of idea about what teaching is. And this is probably quite different, I imagine. You know, it seems like everything's changed. You're talking about digital platforms. You're talking about a disconnect. You're talking about the effect that it's had on your students as well. And you not really being able to do much about that by the sound of it because of that disconnect. So, yeah. Yeah, don't, don't underestimate how hard some teachers have worked to pick up new digital literacies this year. <laughs> um, there are plenty of teachers in my department. I'm fortunate in that I, I play video games in my spare time. I'm used to being on the internet and to computers. That's made it much more comfortable for me. For those teachers who normally would, you know, avoid computers whenever possible at home, all of a sudden they've had to try and make sure they're giving a good education remotely. And I know this is probably something that's a topic all over the last few months, but it has been very difficult and teachers have tried very hard to do the best they can and pupils equally. Some of the work I've seen submitted online has been absolutely astonishing and it makes me so proud of where my pupils are. But I'm also aware there's been a lot who've been completely lost in this process and it is, it is difficult. Yeah, I, I think about some of the, the groups that I've facilitated in the past and there are young people that usually find themselves into those groups because they have high needs. So I do wonder kind of how they're getting on. We talk about people getting results and going where they need to. I'm aware of some young people that I would have worked with that didn't really know much about their future and didn't have really any high expectations about where they were going to go from an educational point of view and oh I'll, I'll you know to quote one I'll be all right I'll just get a job when I get out you know that kind of thing is that the, those seem to be you know we took I've heard the word lost generation but that might be the case from a generational point of view but there are sub facets within that generation that are even more le- lost I think and maybe won't be so much of the focus yeah, and it's, it's only exacerbated by the fact that obviously the jobs that are being lost right now are those for young people. We've, we've seen that where, you know, the 70 to 25 year old age group are those who've lost the most options for employment. Mm. Couple that with the fact, of course, apprenticeships are massively down due to the pandemic as well. Mm. Um, so many other options that usually pupils would consider at this point mm. just aren't available to them. Mm. So all of a sudden these results take on extra importance. And as you say, the people who normally might just go, oh, well, I was, was going to go out into work. That might not be there right now. And so I think it's the onus is on schools and teachers to make sure wherever possible there is somewhere for all of these people. There is a path, even if it's not necessarily the path that they'd have wanted in any other situation. Yeah, and I think I think we can all relate to that as well. Like you said earlier about going through various universities to, to eventually find your career. You know, I, I, I know you were someone that I think you trained as a lawyer and got into the field and thought, this isn't for me, and then went into teaching. And um, it's something that I find myself conveying to young people sometimes that, the like I was saying earlier, about the onus placed so much on results and where you're going and what you're going to do for the rest of your life when you're like 17 or 18 years old. You know, I wanted to be a fireman when I was 17 or 18. You know, that didn't work out. It was an attractive career. But I've ended up in careers that I've loved anyway. Do you know what I mean? So um, I suppose just to sort of slightly get out of the problem into more solution-focused stuff and maybe try to get a bit more optimistic because I'm feeling like a bit, oh, this is a bit heavy. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'm 
uh, sort of wondering wondering about you know what the f- future yeah. yeah yeah so mr brown how is like sort of september 2020 looking like for, for, for like your school is it going to be like online as well as them coming in yeah, tell us no september is going to be in person um it's a, it's a little bit worrying at this point it's a little bit scary but equally it's reassuring to know that we can offer some normality again um i think it, it is alarming to see obviously with um, community transmission things still ongoing, we're going to have to be alert. We're going to have to be careful to make sure we're making the environments and schools as safe as possible. But equally, I know that we are. We're stepping up to that already. There's bollards of hand sanitizer all around that people can walk past and stamp on a little pressure plate to get hand sanitizer immediately. Um, we've got, you know, little pop-up um, shacks for people to order food from. All these kind of things are being prepared so that those spaces where perhaps pupils would have felt less safe will not be an issue now. And the best thing is we will be back in the classroom. We'll be doing normal lessons. We'll be back into the routine of things. And I think that is so, so important right now. And I can't wait to be back with classes because it's that sense of relief from all the pressures possibly of the times they've spent where they couldn't be with their friends. They didn't have school and regular teaching and all those kind of things, which as much as they probably say they hate it 90% of the year, actually all of a sudden these kids have really missed it. I think they've seen that school does offer some really quite nice times as well. Yeah, I was curious about that as well. Like, as someone who wasn't a big fan of school when I was there, like, um, my initial thought as a fairly introvert person that I'd be doing just fine. But even I think that has its limits. And it's interesting that, that you say that, that that maybe there'll be a sense of coming back in that new new school year kind of fired up and a bit like, all right, cautious with some of the precautions that need to be made. But um, I don't know if it will be sort of sunshine and rainbows, but I kind of imagine like the doors open for school and everyone's like, oh, God, back to normal. Like, yeah, less. Uh, there's a level of certainty, perhaps, because there's so much uncertainty at the minute. But like as someone who likes a bit of structure, you know, the moment that you kind of know that you're going to get into school and you're going to follow this lesson, you're going to see that teacher, you're going to see your friends. It, re- it introduces a lot of reality, I think, and normality, let's say, that I think we all seek to return to. Yeah, and it's the, it's the sense of achieving something as well each day. I think being in lockdown as a teacher and being in lockdown as a pupil is very similar. You can find a day goes by where you've done nothing. <laughs> Actually, school gives you that sense of accomplishment and achievement, I think, where every day is purposeful, and that can make a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. I think um, where we have been in our organisation, we was planning to take over a 1,000 sort of 16-year-olds away uh, for summer for three weeks on our programme, and uh, we've man- managed to retain about 100 of those with like no like residentials, none of the exciting bits, just to come in and really do some volunteering. So that's the sort of group that me and Jack have been working with this week. And uh, s- some of them literally haven't seen anyone for like, or seen any new people for like three months. So it's been, uh, hopefully it helps them out when they go to college and stuff, because they're going to be put in a classroom with loads of new people. Mm. But it does um, fill us with a bit of a sense of purpose, doesn't it, I think. It does. Um, yeah, so... Looking forward to getting fully back into the swing of things. Fingers crossed. So when when your pupils going to go back in September? Do you f- are the classes going to be size of like thirty again, or is it going to be cut down? Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be thirty. Uh, realistically, it would be great to cut down the class sizes a bit. I think that's true any time. Um, every teacher will say that slightly smaller class sizes would be great. But the problem is there's there's not enough staff to be able to do that. There's not enough classrooms to be able to do that. Um, we're we're doing a lot of work within classrooms within office spaces and all those kind of things to make sure we can fit in all of the pupils in the school and all the staff um, because there are some spaces obviously if they're not well ventilated or they're too small we can't use them at all um, so 
No, it'll still be full class sizes, but there are some things that have been put in place, um, black and yellow tape and lots of schools marking out where teachers are supposed to be at the front of class, so they're staying two metres away from the pupils. Um, the, the idea of bubbles, so that generally year groups of pupils stay together and they don't mix with other year groups, so that, again, as much as possible, people are staying separated. Um, and even within the classroom, um, a somewhat controversial thing, but uh, certainly uh, the government's encouraging it. Um, every pupil will be facing the front in rows, uh, very much like old school classrooms you might imagine that, that's what uh, i had pictured that is what i had pictures everyone's sitting there on their own desk looking forward completely separate which i guess we try yeah. to move away from that and get everyone working together but it looks like we're back it does feel a bit backwards um two people per desk so at least they've got a partner they're there with but yeah it does feel like we've sort of taken a step back in terms of pedagogy and how we go about teaching um certainly the government thinks it will help uh, people pay more attention uh, which might be true. There's some uh, there's some different research in various directions as to classroom layouts and things, but the key thing is it's safest. And even if it's only for a short time, that, that's what matters right now for every school. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking from uh, like what about the PE side of things? Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Um, I I don't actually know. I don't know if PE have necessarily again. We get new information all the time. Um, we still don't necessarily know exactly what's going to be on the GCSEs for next year, and we're only a week away from starting to teach them. Um, it's been a real scramble to get all this information out. And again, my sympathies are with every single person who's trying to get this information sorted because it's a, a job where you're, you're going to be in trouble whichever way you go. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the rules will be yet. I would imagine lots of non-contact sports. I know that um, things like football training have already been back for a little while, so I'd imagine that kind of approach, the same thing we've probably seen in the clubs around the country. Um, as a teacher, obviously, you have the most of your interactions with your students, but have you had much with parents and have their concerns and you know their, their sort of fallout, let's say, in, on behalf of their son or daughter, perhaps, any of that? There's been hints of it. I think I'm quite lucky to work at a school where the school leadership will often be the kind of um, buffer between parents and teachers immediately, particularly at the moment where um, a parent's concerns are very rarely about a particular subject where something's happening. It's often much more about the the people in general and how they're getting on. So I haven't had too much interaction with parents. Um, I, I hope that across the country parents are being as understanding as possible because I think it is very tough to look at your child and see how they're being treated but then also to be aware of how it's such a an unusual time in so many ways that you've got to have that sense of perspective and understanding that every teacher is really trying to do the best they can it's just not always that easy right now yeah maybe that's why you haven't had that much contact as it were you know maybe maybe that there is that attitude of like we're, we're, we're all kind of uh, struggling at the moment there's all sorts of difficulties that we need to overcome and Last thing that I need, let's say, quote as a parent, is to go and hassle my teacher about such and such, you know, because I think <laughs> what, I don't know how much use that that's gonna that's gonna give anybody really. Absolutely, and I think we we see that same thing in terms of actually, I think this country has been amazing about supporting key workers in all forms, and the way that um, everyone has come together to sort of cheer on those people who are going through difficult times in their you know, professional lives right now. I think a similar kind of approach is being reflected towards teachers and certainly from conversations with just people out in the community, it seems very positive about trying to reopen schools and, you know, the, the sort of the challenges that are being faced are, are seen as challenges. There's an understanding there. And yeah, I do hope that is a reflection. And as you say, I haven't had too much to people trying to reach out to me. So hopefully that is just a reflection of that same thing. 
Yeah, and I've I've seen I've seen that broadly, really. Like, um, I think whenever you're faced with with challenge, you tend to sort of club together. You know, us as an organisation, we've had these huge challenges, and what have we done? We've really come together, kind of working off each other. It's been really good, and um, I think that goes across the country with the realization that there are people that are you know frontline staff that are putting their lives at risk, and some appreciation put their way for that. Um, what's it been like? As, as have you f- sort of seen similar in your school? as well like uh, from a staff point of view you know people coming together support all that or are you quite isolated yeah or? i mean without a doubt uh, it's, it's been very difficult you know pre- prior to this every meeting would be in a classroom at the end of the school day everything was ticking along like normal but just like everyone else we've been on teams and zoom and all the video conferencing tools and we've been trying to arrange things that way and so yeah there has been a whole lot of camaraderie and support but also from the pupils as well. You know, we've had a few days where the pupils have been able to come in at the end of term, obviously. Um, the government encouraged as many schools as possible mm-hmm. to open those gates and let the kids in for a short time um, for those who are coming back. And as much as they are subdued, quiet, feeling that fear perhaps a little, there's already that sense that you know there's a lot of support to other pupils, to the teachers. It, it's a whole community within a school. And I think that's only going to strengthen as we come back in September and people do pull together so much more. Certainly fed by the desire to, you know, a bit of normality is very welcome and, and doing all we, all we can to make that a reality, I think, as well. Um, yeah, I just want to wrap up now, Mr. Brown. It's been great to have you on. Um, one of the things that I think I wanted to leave our listeners with, particularly our young people, is the kind of messages that you might convey to them. You know, what would you want them to hear? What would you want them to understand? You know, what would you say to them at this time to kind of help them through? For me, it's that same message is kind of being hinted at throughout, I think, which is don't worry about the individual grade you're receiving. Don't worry if it's not exactly what you wanted it to be. As long as the doorways are open to you, as long as your avenues that you wanted to take are still available, that's what matters. And if they're not, and if there's something there, find out why not. If you haven't got into the college you wanted to go to, have a chat with them. You know, there's human beings there who, who will understand and who will be able to have those conversations. And the same thing as I know you, you said along the way is that even if the exact route you have plotted out doesn't pan out, there will always be another way. And there are so many opportunities through your life to find something exciting, something that really helps you feel validated and worthy as a person. You will find something for you and something that suits you. And whether it's right now exactly what you thought it would be, it doesn't matter. It's going to work out in the long run. It's just a case of staying positive, sticking with it and you know, working towards that future for yourself. Beautiful. I think we'll leave on that. Thank you very much, Mr. Brown, for coming in. Um, Thanks, guys. We've been here to listen.